Hi, it's Jason Waters and welcome to my Mortgage Minute. Today I have with us Dee Dee Rasmussen. Welcome, Dee Dee. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. As always, it's good to see you. Um, I'd like to start with you just telling folks a little bit about yourself and who you're with. Uh, my name is Dee Dee. I'm with Remax Masters. I've been a realtor for 12 years now, so I started at the bottom of the market. <laughs> so right. I had nothing better to do but uh, get uh, hustling and get things going when nobody wanted to do any buying or selling. And so, um, you know, I really enjoyed real estate. I was trained as a teacher. Okay. I taught for about five minutes and then I realized <laughs> that real estate was my true passion and not yes. teaching but I feel like I use the teaching quite a bit in my real estate as I'm educating homeowners and home buyers about the process of real estate. Sure. No, I think that's a great background for it. I mean, you really, so many folks go in, into it blind and they've never bought a home. And so, especially first time home buyers, it's a teaching job for sure. So exactly. It lets me um, get baby steps through the process for some people. And then if some people feel like they're old pros at it, that they do it over and over again, I adjust to the style that they need um, from me. So basically the information that's the most important that they may not know of and not necessarily hand holding them through the entire process. Right. And every transaction is different. So it's not like if someone's bought a house before, it's not like it's the same now. And as you know, this is not the same market that we've had before. So exactly. let's talk about that a little bit. So Today's seller's market, as everyone knows, um, multiple offer situations. So how do you win as a buyer? How do you help a buyer win a, the contract on a multiple offer situation? So I'm going to give you the perspective from like a listing agent, because that's the one that helps guide the sellers through how to pick the offer. Now, we don't get to tell the sellers who to pick, but I can tell mm -hmm. you often they ask me, they say, Didi, which one should we go with? And I really don't want to put them in a position where I chose their buyer. However, I will point out certain strengths on each offer and things that they need to consider with each one and then let them make that own their own decision on it. Now, with that, when you're submitting a multiple offer in a multiple offer situation, a bid, keep it simple. So the more things you add in there, the more things that look, um, you know, a little bit out of the ordinary beyond the purchase price and the closing date, then that's more things that the seller needs to consider. Um, also, another thing to do to keep it simple is keep your special stipulations down. I find that when I get an offer and it's a good price, it's reasonable, maybe they don't have closing costs, but then they're asking for a termite bond, they're asking for home warranty credit, and they're saying, well, you know, we're giving you more. Well, so are 10 other people. So you may be the highest offer, but they may pick somebody else just because they look like the easiest offer and the one that's most likely to make it to the closing table. That's right. Keep communications open with the listing agent. Don't bombard the listing agent. I can't tell you how many times when I get phone calls from buyer agents that basically give me crap for not selecting their offer. For one, I don't have anything to do with it. I'm presenting your offer more than likely my teacher background put, makes me put it in an Excel spreadsheet. Now, as a buyer agent, if you're calling me up and you're saying, well, how come I wasn't selected? I'd like to be a backup offer, but you're also kind of giving me a little bit of a lecture and a talk about it. You already look difficult to work with. And I'm not sure if I, that's where I want to subject the sellers to an agent that's too difficult to work with. So yeah. these are all things that we communicate and they need to understand that the agent needs to be cordial, professional, and then just kind of 
put in the best and really tell their buyer, it has to be the best offer. And a best offer is not an offer with a ton of special stipulations in the buyer's favor or an offer that has a lot of closing costs credit, but are made up in the, in the number balance of what your purchase price is. Because like I said, 10 other people are already giving them a higher price and not asking for any of those other terms. Great advice. And I always see, I'm, I'm also seeing shorter contingencies uh, or no, no contingency sometimes on financing. And so I have to really drill in and just make sure, hey, I think there's a 99% chance you're not going to have a problem. Just understand and that 1% chance you do, you know, you're going to lose out on that. So absolutely. Um, a lot of people are also um, foregoing potentially an appraisal contingency or they're adding this contingency to the special stipulation stating that they will pay X amount of dollars over the appraisal amount. Mm -hmm. So for example, if the house was purchased for 400,000, the appraisal came in at 395 and the special stip said that the buyer was willing to pay up to 10,000 over that appraisal amount. It makes the seller feel more comfortable that someone's going to do that. Sure. So that's always the best special stipulation to have. If you're going to have any special steps, do it. So it's all in the seller's favor, not the buyer's. This is if you truly, truly love the home. Now, if you're throwing an offer at a home thinking, I just need to get something. Yeah. <laughs> I can't find a house and I need to like make an offer. And I really could care less about what house it is now. Cause I'm seeing a lot of that too, where the buyers are just not being picky. Mm -hmm. um, then you've got to really consider this is a, a long-term purchase. Yes, I know you can sell your house in a year if you want to, but you don't really want to. This is a big deal. So don't make it. It's not the gap. You can't return it because you didn't like it. So <laughs> right. make sure that you are, you know, in agreement with what you're willing to give this seller. If this house is just not the one that you're absolutely in love with, don't forego all these contingencies or um, things in your favor, because then you're going to have buyer's remorse. And then everybody's going to be a little upset because the seller's not going to get to the closing table. And, you know, a lot of people have done a lot of work when you just regretted what your decisions were because you just didn't love the house that much. Yeah. All good advice. So tell me about this, setting your home up for multiple offers. Like do you underprice the home? How does that work? I've heard different so it it depends on the market. So right now at this market, you can't, every home is underpriced. And when I say that, I don't mean that that we're deliberately underpricing it, but your house is worth what a buyer's willing to pay until an appraiser comes along. So, and then they change <laughs> their I mean, mind and say, I don't want to That's pay. right. Exactly. And, I, you know, the appraisers have a very difficult job right now because it's such a rapidly changing market that they're looking at comps that are from three months ago that even we're already on the high end now, but it's just getting higher as the spring season. Typically, a lot more buyers come out right now. So they drive the pricing up this time of year anyways. So with pricing your home right now, I would say suggest you don't need to underprice for a multiple bid. You're going to get a multiple bid if you're in a good area, if your home presents properly. And when I say properly, I mean, keep it clean, keep it presentable, take all your knickknacks and your toys and little things out of, out of the picture. I always tell my sellers, you're moving, start packing. So start packing all those personal items. Right. So just by positioning your property, by making it look good, buyers are going crazy over move-in ready homes. So if your home looks move-in ready, and let's say these days, what I've been no noticed that I've been doing lately is that I've been pricing slightly higher than everybody else in the neighborhood and I've been getting it and I've been getting the appraisal too. So, so far, knock on wood, um, it stays that way. But I mean, it's, it's all about helping your seller, guiding them to, 
you know, making uh, maybe even a little binder or some sort of notes for the appraiser of all the upgrades that they've done in the home during their ownership and how much it costs. So then this way, it makes it a little bit easier for the appraiser to seek that value and find that value in that home instead of just looking around. And usually by the time the appraiser comes, you're already knee deep into packing, <laughs> having, you know, garage sales and the appraiser shows up to this mess. So we have to have some sort of um, guideline for the appraisal to show them what you have spent in the home and why you're justifying this price. Cause he's going to have a hard time finding comps to justify the price. So he's going to have to justify it a different way. Yeah. And it's so important to do. And you touched on something that I think is interesting. Um, so many people get, for some reason, their psychology of what a home is worth is different than buying a product. So if I want to, you know, an iPhone right here, right. So I, I'm going to pay a thousand dollars for it. And I think it's worth it. I don't get it appraised and make it change my mind of what the utility of that product is. But with the home, people agree to a certain price. And then if the appraiser doesn't, if it doesn't appraise, even if they can afford it, they want to go and renegotiate, et cetera. But it was worth that to you to begin with. And so I've never quite understood that, but that happens, happens all the time. I see, you know, um, and because it, it's hard to get the comps. If it's worth it to you and you have the money, it's worth it to you. You know, that's my opinion. So absolutely. And it's tough to compete against a cash offer right now. A lot of cash offers are coming in and um, the my buyers that are winning bids are listening to my advice. My buyers that are not winning bids are telling me another story about why they shouldn't offer what I'm suggesting. Yeah. And they're not ever winning the bids. They're saying, oh, this house needs too much work. Yeah, but there's already 15 offers on the table. Yeah, so. It's priced right. So if you know a home needs a little bit of work and you price it right, or maybe even price it below a little bit under the market value, you're still gonna get a ton of bids. That's if right. you want the maximum amount for your property, present it really well. I don't mean that if you're not in a position to start renovating the home, painting it and changing carpet and things like that, then just price it right and you'll still get the multiple bits. Mm -hmm. So tell me about this, the true cost, we talked about this, true cost of selling your home for sale by owner in a hot market. So I see people all the time that try this and I see people that some do okay, some fail. I don't believe they're actually getting more money most of the time. And I don't even know how anybody has time to do that, to manage that process with all these offers. So tell me your thoughts. So I just recently experienced this. I had a listing that I had listed that the owner had actually tried to sell it themselves to a neighbor. So a neighbor noticed that there was a lot of activity going around and they kind of snooped around and said, hey, what's going on? You know, I noticed you're renovating. And they said, yeah, we're getting ready to sell the property. So of course the neighbor made them an offer and they were kind of going through the process and the motions of it. The seller had accepted the offer because they thought this would just be the easiest way to sell it to the neighbor. And things got a little bit more complicated. They started getting heated. The um, buyer had started making a lofty demands of the seller that the seller just didn't want to um, concede to. And then also the seller just really wasn't aware of their rights as well as a seller. So by the time they contacted me, they said, we had enough with this guy. We're, we're done dealing with him. We're going to put it on the market. So, um, you know, most sellers, when they're going FISBO, they're conscious about paying that realtor commission. Yeah. So they think, well, I have to, you know, clear the realtor commission after my expenses. So, of course, we priced it higher as, as well. And really, it was the highest price. It, this was a condo. So it was the highest priced condo in that complex that we had put it up for. We had 15 offers and we ended up getting 30,000 over the list price. Wow. So Why'd she would have been, 
<laughs> she would have been for out $40,000 easily and maybe even more because I'm pretty sure that buyer was already starting nickel and dime things like I want the chandelier changed. Um, right. You know, I need a couple thousand dollars off for that. And it was a brand new chandelier, but that buyer didn't like the style. And I said, to sure. her, I said, you know, if he doesn't like things in the home, why is he buying it? It doesn't sound like the right home to, to, to me. And a lot of, um, sellers also think, well, geez, um, I'm going to just open up my home to this one or two buyer and I'm going to make a deal with them and I'm not going to pay any realtors and I'm going to be happy. But you're really leaving money on the table because instead of exposing it on the MLS and putting it out there to thousands, tens of thousands of buyers, you're offering it to one. Yeah. That's a big, big mistake. And you're going to leave a ton of money off, the, off like uh, you're going to leave a lot of money behind because the fact that you could have, you know, maybe even 25 to 50 people competing. Yes, the numbers are that big. People are getting any more like 10 plus offers. I've been hearing agents saying, well, there was 45 offers that came in and, you know, there's there's scenarios like that going along. So why would you just open it up to the one person that you're going to deal with that's going to run the show and tell you how it is? My seller, the example that I just told you about, didn't know that typically the buyer pays the closing fees. She was like, how much is this going to cost me in terms of the legal fees and lawyer? And I said, nothing, the buyer, that's going to be on the buyer. We've selected one that has no closing credit. You're not paying anything other than a couple of title fees, which is peanuts compared to an attorney. But she was under the impression since the last buyer she was dealing with told her she had to pay for all the legal fees, <laughs> that that's how it was. Yeah. So you're getting misinformation. This buyer literally tried to take advantage of a seller in a seller's market. Oh, wow. So going for sale by owner is going to cost you dearly. And getting the advice from a licensed real estate agent is valuable. And it's worth every penny you're going to be paying them. I agree 100%. Well, so thank you. That's all the time we have. It was great chatting. Um, how can folks reach you? You can call or text me at 678-918-1090. I'm very responsive, so I will get back to you right away. I have a website, www.shopgeorgiahomes.com. I will respond to you on that. Or my email, didir at remax.net. Great. And you can reach me at 404-403-8787 or online, watersteam.co. And until next time, take care.